welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mystery Mazeppa, and this is a podcast about South Asian interracial relationships and all things What Will People Say? Some trigger warnings before we get started this week. We do discuss things like sexual assault, um, emotional and financial abuse, as well as forced arranged marriages and engagements. So if these are topics that you would prefer not to tune in for, this might not be the best episode for you. That being said, our guest this week is Dee. She is choosing to stay anonymous. It's been a while since I've had an anonymous guest, so if you are new to this podcast and considering being a guest, the option to be anonymous is always on the table because we do discuss some very personal stories and sensitive topics. Dee comes on and she shares her story of being manipulated into being engaged in an arranged situation to a guy she doesn't really know, um, moving to Canada, meeting her boyfriend, um, struggling to break off an engagement, as well as her own story of assault. Um, You may notice from the 30-minute mark onwards, some of the editing is a little bit rough around the edges. I did take out the more explicit material of the things we talked about, um, but in an attempt to maintain the integrity of our conversation, I tried to keep as much of the information around it in the conversation. So it might not be as smooth editing as you're used to, um, but that way you guys just have a little bit of a heads up. Um, I hope this episode really just makes anyone who may have gone through something like she did feel like they are not alone. There will be resources, as always, linked in the show notes of this episode, so you can always click on them. And yeah, let's get started. everyone. We're here with Dee, and she is going to take a little ch- moment to tell us a little bit about herself. Uh, hi, guys. I'm Dee. I am a Guju girl like Disha. Uh, I was born and brought up in India, in Gujarat, and I moved to Canada when I was 17 to pursue my university. I just graduated about a couple days ago, so that's another good thing. Thank you. Uh, my story is I am in a very weird situation with my boyfriend and it's kind of like a love triangle. I'm with my boyfriend and then I also have quote unquote fiance back home. So I'm pretty sure many of the girls are in my situation, but they don't like to talk about it. So I'm here for that with Disha. Yeah, so we get to kind of go into the world, I guess, of arranged marriages that we see it, I feel like, less of in the U.S., but it's still very common, Where, but it works with parents introducing you to significant others. But you were in a situation where your parents, to a certain level, pressured you into an arranged engagement so far. Um, yes. Actually, the thing goes back to how we grew up in my society. We call Samanj. So... It is a very backward thinking still in 2020, where as soon as a girl is about 14 to seven, in between the ages of 14 to 17, they get engaged even now. 
they get married at about 22, 23, but they are still engaged. So the engagement is about five to eight years long. And in this engagement duration, they have to go to the guy's house and basically act like his wife, minus the whole Suhagrat part. But it happens. It's not good. And it happened with me before I was going to apply to come here. So I was already done with my uh, IELTS, my English pro, uh, English language test. And they said, if you want to go, you have to get engaged. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm only 17. And I've had boyfriends in the past. I'm this outspoken, bubbly personality. So I knew it. If I said no, they couldn't do anything about it. I like I would have set my foot and no. But then they were like, oh, if you want to go, then you have to say yes, because we we are your parents. We know about you. You are not mature enough for this kind of going there alone and living alone. You're not mature enough to make your own decisions. Blah, blah, blah. So I got, it was such a big, huge thing for me getting engaged at 17. I was like, oh, what the hell? I'll just say yes for now and then break it off later. I said yes. And oh my God, it's been three years now and I'm literally dying inside because I cannot do anything about it. My biggest mistake was that I backed down and I said yes. And because of that, I haven't been able, like my mental health has been affected since that day. Like three years, I have this mental pressure, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what am I going to do? Anxiety, uh, every, every day I have this anxiety, oh, they're going to get me mad at <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I, I have to go, as soon as I go back home, they're going to get me married. So I'm not going home. I haven't been home in two and a half years. Okay. So that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot to handle for anyone. And at you were 17 to have to decide that you're apparently getting engaged. Did you know the person you were getting engaged to? No, I saw that guy for the first time and he was bald. He was, <laughs> that's another story. Like uh, there was a death in his family and he didn't have his hair. And he's four years older than me. He's He, he was 21 at that time. And I was okay. 17. So there was just at 17, I was like, oh, there's this just bald guy sitting in my bedroom right now. And he's 21. So mm -hmm. it was uh, lots of weird emotions. I told him that I don't want to do this. I want to go Canada and I want to study. I want to make my life in Canada. I'm not going to stay in India. I'm moving to Canada, like moving. Yeah. I tried to scare him a lot that I'm not coming back. And how did but you react he to that? Oh, he was like, oh, you'll go to Canada. That means I can come to Canada. We can have our babies in Canada. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Dude, what, what the hell? Yeah, well... For a lot of folks, that that is the ticket out, right? The, yes. The the getting married to someone outside of India is kind of the fastest way out because of the immigration systems yes. set up in most Western countries. For you, at 17, we here in the U.S., I find a lot of us try to somewhat destigmatize arranged marriage because the stereotype is you don't know them at all. Things go south. They never work out. Be people are being forced into arranged marriages. Mm -hmm. And in the U.S., 
at least from the people I know who have gone through the process, it's more of the parents want to introduce you to someone once you've graduated school, if you decide you're ready and you get to know them and then you can decide they're not going to make you marry anyone. So people have worked really hard to get away from that stigma. But then you have this side, right? The other side of that coin mm-hmm. where that is exactly what's happening. You don't know anything about this guy. You are 17. Your family is pressuring you to do this and using what you want to do with your life to manipulate you into it. Yeah. Actually, the pressure was so subtle. Like, they didn't just come up to me and be like, hey, you have to do this or you're not going to Canada. They were like, oh, we, like the whole emotional blackmail, like brown parents, come yeah. on. It's about everything I did ever in my life, everything. They have mm-hmm. been like, oh, we are your parents. We yes. gave you birth. We know. We have been in this world for about 40 years now. We know how this works. So, and then they, they told me, they told me you have the full, like you have our support. If you say no, you have this, like just for, you know, formality, they would say Mm -hmm. that, oh, you have our support. But then when I said no, they are like, why would you say no? The guy's so good. And he, he has a good house and he has a good car. His family is good. And I'm like, well, I'm moving to Canada. I don't need his house or family or anyone. Like I'm okay. But yeah. then it came down to, oh, they might just stop my dream. I, I I dreamed to be in Canada since I was 10. So it was a big thing for me. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'll just say yes. It's okay. I can break right. it off later. And I'm still trying to break it off for three years now. <laughs> that's, that's so hard because you're 100% right about the emotional manipulation and blackmail and guilting you into feeling like you owe your parents, everything, right? That you are basically living for your parents. And the idea that you at 20 years old are not adult enough to take care of yourself or that somehow if you got engaged to this person but went to Canada without him because Mm -hmm. obviously he wasn't going to come with you, how did that impact your ability to take care of yourself in Canada? It made me stronger, actually. Uh, they they told me that I would not be able to take care of myself. I'm not mature enough. I came here. I moved out of my cousin's house in like 10 days. I was like, I want to live alone. I found a house with my roommate and I've been living with roommates ever since. And I've showed my parents. I've worked hard. I finished my university. My dad only paid for my university. I paid my own rent. I paid my bills. I grew up. I got mature. And now I'm showing them, hey, look at me. I'm doing all this by myself without a man. Like, why do you think that I cannot do it? Why do I need a man for me to be able to handle myself? Like, did you not make me strong enough? You made me so strong that I can do this. But then you come up to me and tell me I'm not mature enough because I'm not engaged or married to a guy. Yeah. And we've all been there, right? I went to school. I got through school all by myself. I lived at school for a while. I had jobs. I got my master's degree. I have a career. But trust me, the day I got engaged was the proudest day of my parents' life. Until then, nothing I did was, they were like, oh, yeah, good for you. Like, congratulations. Like, you finished school, whatever. Or, like, you started your own business. You did all these things. Nothing will compare to their commitment and pride in having a daughter who got engaged and it was yeah it was so frustrating 
that at least for me, it really turned me off to the idea of having a wedding because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I would rather have a graduation party. I worked really hard for my master's. Didn't get that. But a wedding. Oh, my God. My my parents were all over that shit. And it was it really turned me off to the idea because of how much our culture and our parents, they value marriage. And it's OK. Like, I understand, like, being married like now I see the value of finding someone to spend your life with and start a family with but we don't come from a culture that encourages strong independent women or celebrates women doing anything besides getting married there's if you're not married no matter what you do you will never be thought of as like an accomplished person yeah um and that's the sad part and it's sad to hear how prevalent it still is. Um, because we do on this podcast, we have so many positive stories of girls and women who have been able to share with their families, their significant others, and not have such a uphill battle. So it makes you feel like, oh, we've made all this progress. But then mm-hmm. there's so much work still left to do. Yes. And- it just goes to show your situation how far you still have to go because that stigma, as much as we can call the Indian arranged marriage a stereotype, it came from something that is very real. It is, it is. Um, the whole situation is just, I have, I'm living two lives right now. I have one life here with my boyfriend where I'm like this strong independent woman and living alone, paying my bills. And and then I'm this um, scared, immature Indian girl, not even, I'm 20. So they don't even think of me as a woman and they just are like, oh, you're like a little kid right now. Yeah. And yeah, I'm fighting every day with them. They just think that the, this is one of my tantrums. So they think you'll grow out of it. Yeah, they, yeah, they're just like, oh, you're not mature enough to handle this right now. I just don't understand. Like, sometimes they just contradict themselves. Yeah. They're like, oh, we are so proud of you for living alone. We are so proud of you for being yeah. mature. And we are so proud of you for growing up. And then at the same time, they're like, oh, you're not mature enough. Like, I've heard this. Yeah, Like of course. Like, they would and say this. And then they do it all the time. <laughs> tomorrow, yeah. All the time. Because, you know, they kind of want to validate how you feel to keep you, like, quote-unquote on their good side like you owe them something and then the other side of making sure you do what they say right a lot of our parents did that of just like tearing you down right like growing up even if you made the smallest mistake like my mom I love her to death but like would shred me like you're a complete disaster you're a failure as a person like you're gonna go nowhere with your life and it would be over like getting a b on a test Mm. in retrospect is not a big deal but like i would be sobbing hysterically feeling like the most worthless unempowered individual you've ever seen and so that's how we get that blackmail part right they tear Mm -hmm. you down they take away your self-esteem they make you feel like without them you are nothing that you will never go anywhere, that you will be a complete wreck, but you're proving them wrong. You're there, you're yes. living on your own, you have your own space. Yeah. I and actually so, love living kudos on to my you. own. Thank you. It is awesome living alone. When I got my apartment, I was so happy. Like, I was like on top of the world because I felt like I finally made it. 
Like I made it out of my situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has your fiance been in touch at all since you've moved to Canada? Um, so the thing, the problem there is when I moved here, I told him that, hey, listen, I didn't want this in the first place. I already told, you know, when we like met. So this is not working for me and it's not going to work for me. It's not that I just said, I just said, hey, no, I'm not going to even try. I tried for six months, but I am kind of like an impulsive person. If I don't see that the person's not making an effort, I just let it go. I was like, you know what, go, I'm not doing this anymore. So I already told him, and after that, he's been lying to his family that everything's been good, we talk every day. So just to show his family, he sends me a text every six months. Would you ever take it upon yourself to tell his parents that like this is not happening actually that's the thing I have been wanting to talk to his parents for quite a long time now but again the whole parents thing like in India it's not the two people getting mad it's actually two families yeah so I cannot just go up I can do it I want to do it but my parents would be like oh why would you do that we are here we are your parents we are gonna talk to them they have been yeah. telling me the same thing that we are going to talk to them for about two and a half years now. But yes, I would really like to talk to his parents on my own. But they wouldn't like that a girl would stand up to them and be like, hey, I don't want your son. Opinion. Yeah. <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah. That's it's a lot. Re- I mean, kudos to you for wanting to do it in person. I. I think a lot of us would probably just give them a phone call from Canada on the other side of the country, let them know and hang up. Yeah, actually, this also like spirals back to the reputation. So every time I've wanted, every time I've told my parents I want to break it off, they have been like, we have such a good reputation. If you break this off, everyone's going to talk. Oh, but what will people say? Yeah. Yeah. So if you break it off, how are we going to look in front of everyone? Like, yeah, they are and going it's to your talk responsibility, about you. right? Yeah, yeah, they're It'll like, be your you are fault in Canada. They look bad. Yes, they're like, you are in Canada, you don't have to deal with so much, but we have to, we are here, we have to. So, just because they are scared that what will people think about them, they are like, oh, we would rather be. We would rather look good in the society than give you your happiness. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. So it really pisses me off. <laughs> I know. It's so hard not to go off on that really backwards mentality. And yeah. it's so we've had guests on from India before and who kind of paint a different picture of India that is much more progressive, that is much more open-minded and willing to Mm -hmm. understand but at the same time there's I feel like those are like the quote-unquote city kids right like there's that typical like if you're from like Mumbai or Delhi or Bangalore they're much more progressive it's just like New York City New York City LA in America they're like the progressive places they're very forward thinking but then there's parts of the U.S. that are very backwards so in India 
it seems like there's still a lot of that as well. Whereas if you're in the more rural areas, that very backwards, old-fashioned mentality of, like, the patriarchy and women being property and arranged marriages that are being forced upon are still very relevant? This is not what I don't get. Because I grew up in a city. My mom grew up in a city. We are from Surat. My dad um, grew up in a village, like somewhere near Nausari, but he came to city when he was 21 to live with my mom. So like we have had, I have been through English medium school throughout. Like our mm-hmm. thinking is that we want to change people's lives. My mom it lost 34 kgs in two years and she's a Zumba instructor now. People don't do that in my Samaj, right? But then she is being so progressive with herself and she she is breaking all the odds and she is pursuing her dreams right now at being fo- like at 40 years old. And then she still has that same backward mm-hmm. mentality. So I was expecting that, oh, because she grew up in a city, she would understand, but she didn't. So it it actually, it all goes back to how they grew up. Like, even if they grew up in a city, they still have this mentality of arranged marriage. And it was so weird that she was kind of ashamed that she wouldn't even tell her friends that her daughter got arranged engaged at 17. She didn't want to tell her friends because she didn't want to get judged because this doesn't happen in the city right it happens yeah. in oh backward rural um areas but it still happened to me so it's really that's that's what i don't understand yeah that why i know i get it my mom has you know she's a scientist she has a career she's got her masters super progressive in those areas right she's you know, she's the breadwinner of our household. And, but at the same time has some incredibly backwards ideas and beliefs with how I was raised. I totally get the hypocrisy, right? And then our parents raise us and they go right back to what will people say, you know, staying in the Samaj, like I grew up in the Samaj too. And it's so frustrating. Because it's like you think they would be more forward thinking, but then they're not. And why does that happen? What she uses that, oh, I got out of the village. Uh, Your grandpa got out of the village to move to the city so that he could give us better education. So we could give you better education. Sure, we have better education, but the mentality is still same old, which doesn't make any sense. Like I know. Yeah. You know, I... Part of it is also because they value marriage so much. I find that a lot of Indian women, like especially of like our mom's generation, it was like, first you got married and then do whatever you want. And that's still how my mom is now because her whole mentality was once you're married, you're not my problem anymore. So you can do it as long as quote unquote, your husband approves. So now my mom Mm -hmm. could care less if I decide to dress a certain way or go out super late or travel alone or do any of these things that before were a massive issue because I was a reflection on her. And then in our culture, now I'm a reflection on my husband. Yeah. But yeah. as and in our culture, the idea is, well, whatever Disha's doing, her husband approves of, so it's okay. 
So she has, like, you don't do this. You don't get a tattoo, I got a tattoo. You don't get a hair color, I got hair color. Like, I'm doing everything. She says no. Because I am 20. I want to live my life. Come on. She she did all that after she was married. Right. Exactly. They did everything after they got married. Yeah. Because... It, it's that same culture of like, well, your husband approves now and now you're no longer reflecting on your parents. So they want you to first get married and then it doesn't matter what you do because you're married. Your yeah, husband, your husband, quote me. unquote, let you do it, which clearly doesn't really, at least in my <laughs> life, is not the reality. My husband, I mean, is wonderful and amazing, but like doesn't tell me what to do. I, you know, I got married, bleached my whole head and turned it blonde. And my mom didn't say a word. She was like, oh, that looks nice. And I'm like, you would have flipped out like you did the first time when I dyed my hair purple without asking you. Yes. (laughs) And it's everything. The body image is so real, right? India is obsessed with skin color. They're obsessed with body image. The patriarchy just loves telling us we all have to be tall and skinny and have light skin and whatever. And it's it's bullshit. Yeah. Like, Why do you want everyone to look the same? How would you differentiate then? Yeah. Just, and quite frankly, it doesn't matter. For example, if I call my, fa- like my uncle, my dad's uh, brother, if I call them, I love my grandparents because they never comment on my body. But everyone except my grandparents, they have this insane thought that they have this right to comment on my body for example if i call them or if i whatsapp facetime them right now they they won't say hello they would be like oh my god you gained some weight oh my god you lost oh i never lose weight you always gain weight like i tell them hey mom i lost i don't know like seven pounds and she's like oh yeah well probably because of your cycle changes you'll gain it back again and when i gain it back she's like oh my god you gained so much weight like Woman, and what makes you happy? <laughs> Should I lose weight? Should I? I'm not doing any. So I get so triggered whenever they, whenever I call and they start talking about weight, I get so triggered. Like, and my, because my mom has this insane habit of talking about weight because she lost 34 kgs in two years. So she's always like, I lost all that weight. You can lose too. I'm like, you lost weight because you wanted to. I'll lose weight when I want to. Right now, it, it took me a long time to get comfortable with my body. I was yeah. never comfortable with my body. So I, I, I tell think her all great. this. I don't. Thank you. I think you look great just the way you are. I know our culture doesn't tell women that very often. So there's that. Yeah. Thank you. I no And when I talk to them about, they think mental health is not real. Now, again, that that's so mind-boggling. Like, growing Cringe. up in a city and you think mental health is not real. And this is happening with all my friends who are in India right now. Um, but let's switch gears a little bit here because we yes. haven't gotten <laughs> to the other part of your love triangle, which yes. is your boyfriend. Tell us a little bit about him. So... He is the same age as me. We are 20. Um, I saw him at my previous university before I changed universities. And then I got so frustrated with all this, my engagement bullshit that I was like, okay, I'm going to cut ties. So I cut all my ties, blocked everyone for a while. And then I went on Bumble and I saw him. 
So I swiped right and I see that, oh, he swiped right too. Yeah, so I didn't tell him about this till I knew that I wanted to go forward with this because I don't want to just get everyone's judgment. He's white, he's Canadian, he doesn't, he wouldn't under, I thought he wouldn't understand a whole arranged marriage situation. He would just be like, oh, you're already in a relationship. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. So I didn't want to lose him as a friend. We clicked very good. Like, I actually started feeling for him, but I didn't tell him. And then, again, my parents started pressuring me to move to Saskatchewan, which is another province in Canada. And it it is really far. So I was debating if I should go or not. And then this conversation was happening at the same time. And I was like, oh, maybe I should give him a shot. So I told my parents, I'm not moving anywhere. You cannot just uproot my life because you think I'm, I cannot live alone. So again, I blocked my family as well for like quite some time. Then we went on our first date. And then we went on our second date. And on the second date, after he dropped me off, I told him that, hey, I want to tell you something. And he was like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, I have this friend who's very worried. He's like, okay. And I was like, yeah, I need your help because I need your opinion on what she should do. He was like, okay. And I told him the whole situation. And he was like, yeah, um, tell her she should keep seeing the guy. I'm like, which guy? There are two guys here. <laughs> and he was like, keep seeing the Canadian guy. And I was like, yeah, but wouldn't the Canadian guy judge her for being engaged? And he was like, no, I won't judge you. I'm like, not me, my friend. And he's like, I know you are the friend. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go. And he's like, you're not going anywhere. Finish this talk first. Yeah. So yeah, he was like, I he understands. Uh, he's a history major, so he's been studying Indian history, and he he has seen that this thing happens. He knows about our culture. He's like, I'm okay with it. Let's just go on for now, and then see what's going on. But he he said that he would only go move forward if. I am trying to break it. Like, he doesn't want to be, like, the other guy. And I'm like, trust yeah. me. Trust me. I'm not talking to that guy. Like, I would do everything in my power to block that guy and not talk to him ever. It will be two years in three months. So it scares me so much. Because yeah. I have this one responsibility towards that idiot in India. And then I have this responsibility of being, like, a really good girlfriend, not messing everything up here does your fiance know you have a boyfriend oh no trust me that guy wouldn't know anything about me he doesn't even know my favorite color like honestly sometimes I think he is in this in this situation because his parents forced him but I I asked him I did the right thing I asked him hey you want to break it up and he's like no my parents wouldn't like it and I'm like yeah but do you want to like just forget the parents for now tell me what you want And he was like, I like you. I love you. And I'm like, okay, bye. Like, I cannot do this. (sighs) That's a lot. It's it's tough because it seems like even your, you know, fiance is not 
really responsive to either like he's not making an effort to try to make this relationship work if he is so invested in it but he's also not going to try to fight his parents on it because he's a guy right men in Indian culture always win why bother trying to be nice to a girl or treat women with respect and lift them up when you're going to get an arranged marriage and they're going to marry you anyway yeah, they don't have that's to try the thing, actually that's why like he didn't try for three years i yeah. was trying before i got on that plane to come here i was trying got on that plane and right before that he was supposed to take me shopping and then like every time we had a date he brought his sister with him which is so freaking awkward and weird like why would you do that? I haven't ever had a chance to talk to him alone. Yeah, your values don't seem to line up either because he's clearly got some very backwards and just not even backwards, just like old school ideas of what marriage is, how you treat women, how you make a marriage work. Because that's how we're raised, right? Indian culture raises girls to be the ones who try. Like you have to be skinny enough. You have to be a good cook. You have to be smart. You have to be this, that, and the other to make a guy want to marry you. But the other way is not how it works. Like for men, it they aren't raised to be like, oh, you have to be like this so that a girl will want to marry you. The idea is every girl will marry you as long as you have money. Yeah, like it's it's it was so clear that he didn't know how to treat a woman. And I'm not a kind of a person who just goes with it. Like I get mad and I speak up. My so there was also this whole other um trigger warning, I guess. Whole other situation where you have to go to his house, stay there with your future mother in law and I didn't like it, but I had to do it. I was trying. So I was like, might as well try. So I went there and then he wanted to talk to me at night. So I was like, Okay, let's talk. Yeah, it was it was traumatizing to be honest. Like I'm bad with expressing my emotions, so I always like add humor in it. But yeah. it was traumatizing. Like I, I was and 17, he was 21. Keep that in mind. He was 21 and I was 17. I could have filed right. like sexual assault on him. But, right. You that's know. that's what I was gonna say. That's assault. That's not acceptable in any capacity. I'm so sorry. <sighs> I'm like so over him. Right. Like. I'm so over this. I have even told this to my parents, to be honest. And they were like, well, he's your future husband. I'm like, future. Future. But even even if he was your husband now, no man has that right. It in doesn't ever. Ha- yeah. Never. I don't think it's, I don't think they understand that in India right now, but. That breaks so my heart. So I told this all this to my boyfriend he got so furious with him. Isn't it so empowering to not only get live somewhere where you're out of the whole toxic circle of shit, but also being around people who can empower you and understand what it really means to be supported and to be heard? Yeah, he... He, my boyfriend, he is so loving. He is, like, I've never, even my parents haven't ever made me feel this way. He makes me feel like he's listening. He's sitting here. He's listening. Every time I have a problem, he's here and he's ready to listen to me. 
and then he gives me his opinions on what I should do. And if he doesn't under, like if he doesn't know what to say, he would just be like, "Oh babe, I'm so sorry, but I'm here for you." Like yeah. those words mean so much to me. Not even just loves you, but I'm really glad that that you were able to find someone who really showed you what it was to feel respected. Yeah. I think a lot of South Asian women are raised in this world where what your fiance did to you was acceptable and that it's expected. Like, boys will be boys that whatever they say or do is correct. You're his wife, whatever. And it's not okay. And we've never been raised to have, it's not that it's self-respect, but be able to stand up for ourselves and say, no, that's not okay. And whether that is in a situation like yours where your fiance tried to assault you, but also just demanding respect, right? That's where we're getting told to sit down and mind our own business because South Asian women are finally demanding that we get treated with respect, that we are independent, that we are not objects, that we can have a career, that we can choose to not get married and that's okay. We can choose to not have kids and that's okay. And a lot of India is just having, and not just India, like South Asians everywhere are having a meltdown over it because they feel like they're losing control because our parents are very much control freaks. Yes. I know. It's really tough. And kind of when you're at this point where you risk possibly being disowned, right? We all hit that point where we, even if we don't think it's going to happen, we still have to acknowledge the possibility of it. Yeah. And the way I see it, when it comes down to it, if it gets you out of an abusive, of a toxic, of a situation that is destroying your mental health, then you should get out. And I don't think you owe those people anything. Um, I know that's, you know, a very large blanket statement to make, but I'm a very, very much a feminist. But I'm also just very much, I don't, be, I, maybe it's because I grew up in the United States. Um, I don't feel like I owe anybody anything. Because um, as South Asian women, we just like, we deal with so much and we just kind of like internalize it and we keep going and we internalize it and we keep going. And our, our mothers did it too. They just don't believe in therapy, but you know, seeking out help, but also not seeking out the approval of people who are not wishing you the best doesn't matter. Like you're not responsible for their feelings. You're not responsible for their reactions or their backwards mentality you know, you have to do what's best for you. And for me, if anybody is listening and can relate to this story or in a situation where you finally broken out of that box, don't go back into it. If I have to leave all that to be happy for the first time in my life, to be actually be with someone who makes me happy, I would leave all that in a heartbeat. I don't know. I have been in this weird arranged situation And I was ready to make it work. I've always been kind of a person who's like, oh, okay, I'm ready to make it work. I'll make it work. Like, 
okay, it's okay if he doesn't give 100%. I'll give 200%. And mm-hmm. then it's always the whole the giver-receiver situation where I give so much that then I'm left empty inside. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's all very weird. But don't leave the person who makes you happy. Just don't ever leave them. Because if you have ever been in my situation, you know how hard it is. And it's a big statement to say that, yeah, I'll leave my family for my the love of my life. But we, some people, some people like us, we have actually experienced this trauma or excuse of a family. And then we have found the love of our life. And then people just come up and they judge like, oh, you leave your family for the love, blah, blah, blah. They don't know what's going on with our family. Right. Because like, nobody talks about it. Yeah. Nobody. Ta- it's so hard. Like. I haven't told the situation with my fiance to anyone knows this part about me that I have this fiance and then I have been almost sexually assaulted and no one knows like it takes so much courage to come up here and say all this but I'm saying because I know there are so many so many South Asian women in my situation where just said yes because they want to fulfill their dream you shouldn't have to be like, okay, I'll get mad at just to fulfill your dream. Like, parents, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is not how you raise your kids. For sure. It's not. Yeah. And any parent that stands by, do your parents know, you, you said your parents know about what happened with your fiance when you went to his house. Yeah. And they stood by and did nothing. They just... I could, I told this face to face, two years ago, face to face, and my mom started crying, and she was like, why are you doing this to us? And I'm like, what am I doing? And she's like, why are you doing this to us? Why do you want to break off with such a good guy? You are never going to find anyone else. That's so, terrible. Like, see, why like, would what, you say that to someone? Why, why stick around for that? Like, how is that a loss? After that, after they, they came here for 10 days just to see me. And after they went home, I cut ties with them. Like, I didn't call or message them for four months. It was a very bad situation, which I got out of. And, yeah, my mental health has always been, like, in waves, up and down, up and down. And even my cousins. my cousins, Oh, my God. My cousins have been so accepting of this situation they don't know about my boyfriend but they know that this guy is trash so Mm -hmm. they are trying very hard to get me out of this situation as well that's that's all you need yeah all of us have been in this situation at this point my cousin got married to a guy she was engaged to for like seven years and then as soon as she came to canada the guy cheated on her like literally Five minutes he cheated he on got, her. He got his ticket to Canada. That's all he wanted. Yeah, he did. Actually, he did. He yeah. cheated on her. He came here. He got the permanent residence. I told my cousin she was so brave enough to get a divorce, but she heard so much shit oh, yeah. for getting a divorce. Like, she had to go through so much. Even her parents were like, why do you want to divorce? Like, he'll be fine. Don't worry. He'll change. I'm like, do not back down. Like, I am here if you need anything. Yeah. You can stay at my house with me. 
you are divorcing that guy. I swear to God, you're divorcing him. And yeah. she did. It's so yeah. sad to see that women around me are being so abused and they don't do anything about it. Like she stood up and she had yeah. to listen to so much shit because she stood up. Right. So we, we are not, women are not raised to stand up for themselves. Yeah. I'm so proud ends. of her for doing yeah. that. Me too. But, I don't know your cousin. Good yeah, for her. it's it was so hard for her to do that yeah. because that and, guy was emotionally abusive. Yeah. And, oh, so bad. And how many how many people do we know like that? Like we've all heard the arranged marriage story where they, you know, a girl is married off to a guy she knows nothing about, and they get married, and now everything comes out that he's either abusive or an alcoholic or has his own very severe mental health issues, and that somehow in our culture, we're going to blame the girls, right? It's the women's fault the marriage didn't work out. It's the wife's fault that he abused her. She deserved it, right? She asked for it. That's bullshit. She should have been more tolerant enough, or she should have known better. She should have Googled the symptoms of the mental health her husband. Or if he cheated on her, it was her fault. Or it's no big deal. He's just a guy. That's what they do. Actually, that's what happened. They were like, oh, she was in Canada, so he cheated on her. So it's kind of her fault that she left her husband here. So horrible. Like, this whole cheating. That's why I always get so scared that I don't want people to pin it on me. Like, oh, she cheated on this fiancé guy. Like, she's cheating. No, I'm not cheating. I don't have any whatsoever communication on all relations yeah. with my you fiance. know what you know what what other the way other people react is their problem yeah like it's I don't care not what at you all think. your problem they didn't go through what you went through and their opinion on it quite frankly doesn't matter um I know one thing that we had talked about briefly before we started recording was you are a big um advocate of mental health yeah and you are because you have seeked out professional help um, to deal with mental health. Um, How did you go about that? Because I know a lot of listeners don't know where to even start. Yeah, actually, I was pretty lost, too, on where to find the resources. But usually, uh, all the universities have resources available. So, But I was always so scared because I was like, oh, they wouldn't understand my situation. But then I went to this um, counselor from my school and I started talking about all this stuff. And I didn't even know that there were so many big issues in my life which led to me being anxious and depressed and which led to me feeling the way I was feeling then. So... There are lots of resources available. You can, I've also, uh, I found this one number which you can text if you don't want to talk on call. There's also this number you can text. I don't know if it's just Canada and US, but you can always search on Google. There's this one number. You can text the number and they can match you with a counselor and you can uh, talk to them through text. I've also done that when I felt like really vulnerable and I really need someone to talk to. I have always used my school's um, resources because frankly, they're free, of course, Mm -hmm. and you can go there whenever you want. I was always in school, so it helped me a lot. I was very skeptical 
of going to someone who doesn't know me. They don't know my situation. I'm always scared of people judging me. Usually, my best friends help me a lot. But this time, it was bad. So I had to go to this uh, counselor. And they really helped me. They talked to me. They got to know me. They found out more about me. They researched our culture and then like because you're always scared that oh what would this guy know because this guy is not mm-hmm. from india or this guy is not from any yeah. other south asian country you know you're always scared that the whole judgment thing but they really helped me i was feeling detached because i was like i don't want to be an indian anymore because this is bullshit like i started to hate my culture as soon as i got here I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't have any Indian friends. I don't want to make any Indian friends. Like, I, I'm so mm-hmm. done with this. I don't want that judgment. Because right. when and I then, And then my... we feel guilty about that, right? We yeah. feel guilty that so we I... want to deny being Indian. Yeah. Then I started feeling so bad. I started feeling guilty. So I had to go and they helped me get back in touch with my roots. Like, now I'm proud to be an Indian doesn't necessarily mean I'm okay with whatever the government or whatever is happening in India. But I'm proud to be an Indian because being an Indian, I'm in Canada and I'm making my life on my own. So that's what it means for it me means to, to be, be an resilient. Indian. Yeah. And it means to create change even when it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard to... I've had some days where I wouldn't be able to get off my bed like I've had those days it's been really bad but this is what has helped me if I cannot get off my bed like my goal for the day would be just get off the bed don't do anything just try to get off the bed and then anything else you do is like a cherry on top yeah yeah uh, yeah so I've had some days where I'm like Oh my God, I cannot even get out of the house today. I cannot, I just cannot do it. It's okay. Just walk around your house first and then just open the door and stand there. Don't go out. It's okay. Just stand there. Like all little things you can do are wins. Win is not that, oh, I overcame depression. Sure, that's a win. But all the little steps are wins as well. Like that's what has helped me. Um, yes. And regarding getting mental health services, we when we had Neha on for our mental health episode, one thing we talked about was if you are looking for mental health services um, and you can't find a South Asian counselor or therapist, um, as long as you can find a therapist who is culturally cognizant and aware, um, they can still help you. Um, they can be just as helpful. They can be just as much of a resource. Um, even if they're not South Asian. So if you guys haven't listened to that episode and you want more information on where to find help and how to find help, um, Neha left a whole bunch of resources in that episode for you guys. Um, But moving forward with this conversation, if what is one thing you would say you've learned so far through this whole process? I have learned how to love myself. Like, it's a really big thing for me. Because a lot of people, South Asian people, forget 
to love themselves. Like they are so busy loving everyone else, taking care of the family and building their career and friends. But like, it's so hard when you actually just sit down by yourself without anything else. It's hard to feel just comfortable with yourself. It's so hard that it took me about 17 years of my life to just start to love myself. I am so hard on myself. I am the worst with myself. I would beat myself down so much. And just, just, for example, if I'm making coffee and I spill the milk, I would be so hard on myself for that. My boyfriend was like, why would you be so hard on yourself when you would not be the same with anyone else? Just love yourself as you're loving someone else. It's so easy to say this, but it's so hard to do. Yeah. And it took me three whole years to completely be okay with who I am right now. I'm still, I feel a little like, oh no, this is bad. I don't like myself. I don't like the way I look. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, guess what? Like, you are the best. I have all these posters behind uh, my bed. So that every time I get in and every time I get on my bed, I read each of those posters because they're all mostly all of them are about self-love. Self like India, um, brown society does not talk about self-love at all. Yeah. Your parents don't tell you how to love yourself. Your parents don't tell you how to love each other. Hell, like you don't your parents don't tell you anything. Your parents just tell you to study good and that's it. Yeah. Make a car yeah. So it's, yeah, I have started to, I can officially say I love myself. Like, it makes me so happy to say this. That's awesome. (laughs) Good for you. You are a real warrior, my friend. Thank you. You you are amazing. Like, you you are on top of the world and you're going to keep going. Yeah, I am. And don't ever, don't ever, ever forget how awesome you are and how valuable you are. And for those of you listening, the same thing goes to you guys. Um, my last question to you is if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice or some words of wisdom, what would they be? Mm, my one piece of advice would be people would try to bring you down. Like everyone will try to bring you down. The world is like a bucket of crabs. They're going to bring you down. All you have to do is believe in yourself, love yourself. And you're fine. As long as you know that you are there for you, you can beat anyone in this world. Awesome. Thanks for that. Um, And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you, Um, Risha. And yeah, that's about it, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you go on iTunes and leave us a review. You can find me on Instagram at Dishes by Dishes. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, you can email bwwpspodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to get in touch with Dee, um, you can reach out to me and I can see if she is able to reach out to you. I know she was an anonymous guest, but I'm sure she would be happy to lend a listening ear if anyone needs it. 
This show is hosted and produced by me, Disha Mystery Mazeppa. The music for the show was created by Crexwell. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you.